Lisa contributed blue balls. Hey, what was that little dog we used to have? Oh, when we used to dye pink. Yeah, the little one that died. Little snowballs. Uh, courtesy of Roma Raider. Oh, it's already on, it seems like. As usual, if you need to communicate with me during the show, yeah, feel free. Do it. DM me through Twitter at Eugene S. Robinson is the Twitter handle. The at symbol, Eugene S. Robinson, all run together naturally. If you've been able to figure that out, you don't need me to tell you that. Um, uh, also, uh, Mr. Sleep 3, the number 3 at Instagram, but it's gatekept. If you have, oops, sorry. Eh, sorry for the penis. Uh, if you, if you uh, don't have photos on your account or you're hoping to gatekeep me before I get, now. Nah, I got to look into your abyss before I let you look into mine. Housekeeping, advertising, skim scams, uh, not necessarily in that order. Uh, mailbag, um, Patreon, I'm sorry. I was rolling again without a mouthpiece. So I've chewed up my tongue and the inside of my mouth. So it's getting kind of hard to talk. You have to put up with me. Patreon.com, a, a lot of you were called. A lot of you answered the call. It is specifically, you went to Patreon dot com slash the stomper t-h-e-s-t-o-m-p-e-r those of you who can't come up with a dollar that's nice 50 cents whatever five dollars all cool all cool if you can't come up with that i've been appreciating some of your fucking uh excuses reek slash reasons total respect for those if the if the choice is paying for show stomper versus getting a sandwich you're much better off with a fucking sandwich believe me get keep yourself fed and at such time as your fortunes turn around, I'll be glad to take your 50 cents. Until then, don't worry about it. Patreon.com slash The Stomper for those of you who have the wherewithal. All right, let's get right to it. Ah, I got to swallow like, uh, like I'm at the dentist office here. So let me get, let me get, let me get stuff up. But you know what? Uh, 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 one of our readers, what, let's call him MGTOW. He knows who he is. And what listeners, 
he was like, Eugene, and he's asking me questions during the fight on 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 Twitter, and I was like hyperventilating and having a fight. And then finally, I realized, man, I, I I can't really be rational about this right now. You got you got to give me some time for me to actually actually come to my senses. Um, and I, I was well. Those of you who followed me on, on Twitter, you read that. And to put a finer point on it, to explain it a little more clearly, I was so upset. I was uh, 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 upset beyond beyond all measure because, um, like, we have individuals. I got some new designations in, in, in the in the panoply of phrases, and one of those uh, designations is uh, always something. Abraham and Strauss, A.S. Like Kat Zingano, there's always something wrong. There's always something. You know, I'm sure you have friends like that. Not only the person who spills the soup, but the person who has a, the soup spilled on them. There's always something fucking wrong. But for people, oh, yeah, you know, I, I got a new bike, but I just ran into the store, and I didn't have time to lock it up. And and that's the only way I could get to work. But then somebody took the bike, and then I was late to work, and I lost it. You know what? You know there's a daisy chain of fucked up things that goes on, and I have to, in the end, hold nobody but you fucking responsible. You know, it started when you didn't lock the bike up. It started when you got a job that you could only bike. You know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, in, in the panoply of, of definitions, always something is one. And I was definitely afraid the sport would turn into an always something sport. There's always, you know, it's like those people who always have a problem. You get tired of hearing from them after a bit. I, I've spoken to those people on more than one occasion. If I'm the best friend you have, you're in big trouble. That's it. That's one of my, my ethos. You got to swim. We can swim together, but I'm not carrying you. Like, I could, we can enjoy this sport, but I'm not carrying the sport. And that's what I was thinking I was being asked to do. And that's why I was kind of having a minor league uh, uh, flip out. Um, you know, if I, I mean, I, Let's say I was actually before some of these fights, I'm like hyperventilating, gripping. If you know the drug, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm trying to I was trying to analyze why that happens. Um, and it's not even that I've got a specific uh, it's, got, it's not like I've got a specific dog in the hunt. I, I am just what I, I am desirous of is success on all levels. I'm desiring that that the walkout is good. I'm desiring that uh, that buffer uh, uh, comes up with a, a turn of phrase. I'm desiring that the crowd's response is 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 pitch perfect tone, you know, uh, a tone terrific based on the occasion. I'm desiring that the fight and the corner cam, the corner cam catches stuff that's good. I'm hoping that all the arrows point in the right fucking direction, and I hope that ardently between the fight and when something. When something happens, they say that the reason why you hate people making mistakes around you is because your brain makes that mistake for you. And the frustration is even more peaked than if you were the one making the mistake, right? So um, so that's what I, that's that's where I was last night. Where the, where I'm trying to get the, uh, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to get the, the listing. Let me, let me do this. In a way that doesn't doesn't have you watch me watch my phone for ten minutes. Uh, up, 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 up. Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Sorry, there's a lot of news as you might guess, but I want to go through it in a way that's semi systematic. Or should I even bother? Do you guys even care about that? I found it. Here we go. So uh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start at the top because that's in a lot of ways easy. But I just wanted to bring up MGTOW's thing like asking me to be kind of rational about it by me saying I was not able to be rational because I need everything to go right and if everything doesn't go right like the autistic kind of spectrum kid inside me goes hey, hey, it's not right don't like it don't fucking like it so one thing goes wrong and it's like gee how could you I had a friend this guy wasn't getting laid a lot at all not at all he finally gets a fucking date goes out with this woman I'm excited for him he said tell me yeah you do you know, a nice restaurant I'm gonna go to, and he's like, maybe I'll actually fuck her. You know, I was like, yeah, man, you never know. You can work out your favor. He goes to the date, you know, he's got, I don't hear from him. I don't hear from him. This is in the days before cell phones even, so he couldn't even call. 
So the next time I see him is in the gym. I say, you know, hey, Lance, what, what happened with you? How's your day go? He's like, uh, I go, oh, no, what the fuck happened? I figured maybe she, she, you know, cock blocked him. I bet he said, well, yeah, you know, we went to an Italian restaurant. Yeah. She was dressed real nice. She had like on a white shirt. Yeah. But like we were eating and, uh, and you know, she had a stain on her shirt. I go, I go, what? No, she, she had a stain on her shirt. I go, what did she have to eat? He goes, oh, spaghetti. I go, what kind of stain did she have on her shirt? He goes, spaghetti stain. I go, she was eating spaghetti and she had a spaghetti. Did she show up with a spaghetti stain on her shirt? He's like, no. So she was sitting with you eating spaghetti and stained her shirt as a result of the spaghetti she was eating. Would you have felt better if she sat there in a big lobster bib? Man, I just couldn't, man. I go, oh, <coughs> bro, you haven't had sex in like 18 months. What do you mean you couldn't? He's like, I ah, just, you know, I'm sitting there trying to talk to her and he's got the stain from the spaghetti that she's eating. Yeah, you know, fuck that. I just took a home. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I told that story to illustrate how, how, how damaging it could be if you want everything to be right. However, we are the way we are. So let's start with the top. Johnny Boney Joni and Anthony Smith. Now in the post-fight presser, which you should watch, I kind of, I, like, it was identified. Uh, Jones identified it in the cage, and I really enjoyed that he identified and said it because it, 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 chart, it lets people chart a different path. And he was like, I'm glad we could do the run-up to this with all that, without all the trash talk. The thing is, trash talk loses its value when it becomes obligatory. If it feels like something that you have to do, creative or not, it just becomes radio static after a certain point. Ababa, you suck. Ababa, you suck. Ababa, you suck. At the end of the fight, the conclusion, everybody's hugging. This guy is a champ. I have respect. He's a very tough. I hope again. We're all here for, for the real. If you want to know why people enjoy pornography, because I think pornography gets you just close enough to reality before it veers off into total bullshit fantasy to make people feel like they're getting the real deal. Like I told you, one of the most powerful moments I ever saw in porn when I used to run that porn review site happened when it was an outtake moment and people were just hanging around on the set, you know, half naked, waiting to start. And somebody had brought water pistols and they were squirting each other with water pistols. I don't say it was erotic, but I do say that it was uh, that it was like one of the realest moments. And consequently, after running a porn review site for 10 years, one of the only things I remember. So we're here for the real. So when, when Johnny Boney Joni says, look, you know, it doesn't have to be smacked up. He's actually given us he's given us a gift and he's given us a license to actually have a lead up to the fight. Same with the cat who fought uh, 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 Garbron. Um, sorry, uh, Pedro Munoz. Same with him. He's like very respectful and nice. It just wasn't his character. He seemed like a nice guy. Like I'm not out to get beaten, but I love I love watching this guy. I have a lot of respect for him because the most per important person to you in the world for those three rounds or five rounds or whatever you're talking about is a person on the other side of the cage. That's it. And you could have went later. So wait, waiting for yeah, there's a lot of mutual respect leading up to it. Johnny Boney Joni trying to sell tickets like, hey, dude has had twice as many fights as I had. I'm taking him very seriously. I'm not, just, I'm not making any mistakes with this one. You know, I made that mistake once with Gustafson and got very close to losing. Won't do that this time. And Anthony Smith said for his part, I'm not fighting John Jones. Fight me. I'm the, I'm the, yeah. And that was all cool. And then the fight was ended. They go backstage to the fight press, press conference. And then the misty chatter starts. Uh, he's actually not that tough. He's like, well, one, there's a truism. There is a truism. I don't think that I've ever seen John Jones knock anybody out. I can't recall in my memory knocking anybody out. I can recall in a lot of choking, a lot of submission. I've seen him choke out Machida into unconsciousness, but I haven't seen anything from his hands this portion of his arm that has fingers on it. I haven't seen any of that end up with somebody sleeping on the fucking mat. 
Now, I had a friend who was a, a martial arts guy who was obsessed with knocking people out. He was a street fighter and, uh, and uh, a martial arts guy. And he got obsessed with it. He said, how come I've never knocked anybody out? And there's a weird insecurity that strikers have. Like, maybe I'm not hitting hard enough. Maybe I'm, I'm uh, uh, you know. I've lifted people off their feet with open hand slaps. Is that a knockout or not? When the guy's on the floor, like, and his head is spinning, he can't see straight. No, a knockout is a knockout. When a person is on the floor, not moving. I've grand amplitude people into unconsciousness, but have I ever knocked anybody out with my punch about imagine that they will never? A friend of mine, apropos of nothing, said to me one time, we were just sitting along, long, actually, dad, he's moved back east. He's like, I have never titty fucked a woman, Eugene. Whoa, bro, get out of the way. Let me finish my dumbbell inclines. What is these personal revelation shit? But he was already, he was already with, uh, I mean, he, I think he was engaged to be married or married already. He was just like, I'm not leaving this woman. I'm not going to do it with her. I was like, why not? He was like, Tammy would be game. Because I just, you know, he uh, got the whole virgin whore thing in his head. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. Another guy to tell me, longtime friend said, you know, I, 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 I've never blown my load on, on a woman's face. But man, you've been married since, you've been married since the 80s. How is that possible? That even, you know, when you're getting a blowjob, that you just accidentally maybe blow your leg and they get, he goes, I don't know. And he just kind of like sighed. Like, weird. Why are you confessing this stuff to me? How am I supposed to help you with that? That's when I got kind of nervous and started inching away, you know. So anyway, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Boy Johnny has never knocked anybody out. So I'd like to imagine that when, when Anthony Smith was saying he is uh, he's not that tough, that that's what he means. Or that he was still lost in the fog of war. Because somebody raised a point, one of you, I think it was Brody, I could have it wrong, but one of you on Twitter said, you know what, this was sadism on display. Unless, if you haven't been paying attention, that he's doing that Nick Diaz thing. You remember that strike force fight that I was at the post-fight presser for, and, uh, and Nick Diaz fought uh, that Hawaiian cat whose name I can't remember. He was fighting with his father in the parking lot, and then it went, I mean, the guy was just a big stand-up striker, Nick Diaz, like, I want you to note at the press conference that I knocked him out. Not Scott's uh, Hands of Steel Smith, but uh, uh, this guy's name starts with a K. Carrying a Hawaiian fighter. It was a big deal in strike force for a bit and now consigned to the footnotes of dustbin of history. Um, and I was sitting next to Danny Acosta, and he said, or oh, this is before I even really knew him. This is why I started to think Danny Acosta was a genius. And he starts picking up the Nick Diaz line. He says, I'd like you to know that I beat him standing up. I could beat him in jacks. I could beat him in rock, scissor, paper. I could beat him in jump rope. I could beat him in, 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 in shuffleboard. Pretty much backgammon any game you want. And I've noticed this, this Brody online and Twitter said, you notice this was a sadism. This was a serenade of sadism because what, what Johnny Boney Johnny likes to do is he likes to, to take, like, Daniel Cormier said he had never been taken down, took him down. Rampage was like, had, had never been submitted, submitted him. These are things he, this is, this is Kate Fear shit. I can out fight you. I can out fuck you. I can out thank you, counselor. So Lionheart's, Lionheart's specialty was about his his drive, his will, and it see, and I didn't believe Brody necessarily because I think he made that tweet the first three rounds until round four, and then I realized what was happening. Johnny Boney Joni was on his p's and q's for the first three rounds because he had to get the, he had if I win three rounds, that means you're my opponent. The only way for you to win at that point is to knock me out or submit me. And I don't think you can do that. 
So four and five are gimmies for me. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want with those the, for, because I know you're not going to submit me. You're not going to knock me out. But I have to win. I get the first three. And that's what I thought was happening. So I expected him to do something kind of cruisy for four and five. But he doubled down and picked it up because then he could throw caution to the wind. That's where the knee came from. It was close. It was, but not close enough. I got the rules. It's a fight. Dream Crowd's house, which you got to understand something. If I repeat or say something that seems kind of out of pocket, when you watch at Coach Leopoldo Sorrell's house, what you're watching is not the American pay-per-view. What you're watching is a global TV Brazilian feed. So all of outside of the stuff that was said in the cage was all in fucking Brazil. And the Brazilians are absolutely out of their mind because in a picture in a picture setting, there was some guy who looked like the Brazilian Brazilian Elton John. If somebody is from Brazil and could explain this to me, because Sarau was worthless as shit, explain this to me. The picture in the picture thing, the entire fight, there was a little picture below, and there was a guy who looked like the fucking Brazilian Elton John, by which I mean his affectation was also uh, very um, femmed out. And least ways I could tell, as he's doing some color, comment, color commentary, that was homoerotic. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. You just go to the global feed, Kombach Uno or whatever the fucking thing we were watching, and the guy's in the bottom, and Usman comes out, and he's, oh, and he, I don't know what he's saying because I don't speak Portuguese, but it was like, it was fan, actually fucking fantastic. But I don't know what he was talking about. So, um, so Johnny Bonjoni, after the third round, picks up the pace. Yeah, you know, delivers a knee. It's like thinking off of his feet. Knew that he had to keep him getting knocked out. He knew he probably wasn't going to get submitted. So he's going to have some fun. But what is fun for a guy who's a sadist? He was go- his objective at that point, clearly, according with, with Brody's pick, was just to break the guy's will. You're known for your will? I beat you in backgammon. I beat you in, in Skelly. I beat you in Jacks. I beat my job beat you in the breaststroke. My objective is to is to crush your spirit. Mark of a true I did a race from Los Angeles to Vegas with professional athletes. I had never been around that level of com- competitiveness and I've been around athletes my whole life. Had not been around professional athletes. What uh, Michael Jordan took a rookie not once, a couple of times at least. Say, let's play a game on one-on-one. You're on the team now. Let's, he's like, oh, I'm going to get a chance to, to work with, with the champ, with the captain, team captain, with the famous Michael Jordan. And Jordan crushed these guys, had these guys in tears, grown adult men in tears on the court from a game of one-on-one. So fucking humiliated. I like humiliation. That's like a construct for me, like up there, like with, with honor and respect. These amorphous things that will, people will go to their grave defending or resisting. So Johnny Boney, Johnny's thing was like some of these true competitors I've seen. And remember that story I told you about that journalist who I was talking to who said he had the three meanest human beings he had ever covered or, or met. Or, or You remember that? And I couldn't remember the third one. I finally remember the third one. And he said, the ones you remember, he said, Muhammad Ali, a guy that imminently char- charming, of course, has the key. And which he can wep- if you weaponize charm, it becomes something really hateful and hurtful. He says Ali would do that shit regularly. I didn't believe him until I read about how uh, Muhammad Ali fucking dumped his good friend Malcolm X prior to Malcolm X getting getting assassinated. Dumped him. It may, it may have happened that with Ali's support, a little bit of Ali's support, that Malcolm X might not have been assassinated. On the streets, mean fucker uh, on, between the sheets. The third one who I couldn't remember, maybe not surprising as, as the first two, Sonny Barger, the founder and the head of the Hells Angels. You know, yeah, you see him on the news. He's not as kindly grandfatherly type guy. But, you know, it's really sort of surprising that <laughs> maybe not that surprising that he's, a, according to his journalist, I know, a mean, mean 
SOB. Maybe not a surprise. Johnny Boney Joni set out to break this guy. I don't fault him for that. I understand the competitive spirit. I grew up with a, a stepfather who would pinochle, pick up sticks, chess, checkers, would savagely beat me no matter what. My mother said, maybe you could let him win every now and then because I'd go to the bathroom and cry bitter, angry tears and come back. Okay, I, I'm ready. And he's like, well, what kind of message would that sell? Said, what, what kind of message would that send? So I'm crazy competitive now, but not like these guys. Well, that's actually not true. <laughs> that, that, uh, you know what? Right now, there are guys who I train with who are probably sitting there going, that lying motherfucker. That guy just ground my face into the map for six minutes, laughing the whole time. Well, that's a little bit different. Yes, yeah, so, you know, that's a little different. That's just fun. I'm, <laughs> we're not talking about me. We're talking about Johnny Boy Jones. So I think he, his objective was to break him. I don't think he broke him. But the way you break a guy like, like Anthony Smith is not the way he was attempting to break a guy like Anthony Smith. He did break Anthony Smith, but not in the way that he was expecting or hoping. He broke Anthony, Anthony Smith by introducing something into his brain that heretofore had not existed there. Anthony Smith had lost before. That's fine. But the losses he had before were kind of losses that were products of happenstance. This was not. This was not a product of happenstance. This was a product of, <laughs> of, of, of Jones's stance. I mean, in other words, by, by which I mean, if the bald one turns around and says, hey, bro, we got your rematch. It's coming up in June. You ready? I don't. What does he put in there? What's the next word? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's where he got him. He would fight him again. But there's a difference between going into a fight that you don't know if you can win and going into a fight that you know you've lost. Very different. I still love Anthony Smith. I like the guy. Like his vibe, like his shtick, like his look, like his whole top to bottom. Dig him. Like he reminds me of a, a non always something Joe Diesel Riggs. Because Joe Diesel Riggs is, of course, an always something guy, Abraham and Strauss guy. From shooting his toe off to, you know, getting beaten up in the hospital by the Diaz's. And, uh, you know, I, I always thought he should have had a better career. And at the very least, he should have been doing movies as well. You've got central casting look for kind of Irish gangster, or at least a gangster of some kind. Anthony Smith, the same thing. Reminds me of John Messias. Those of you older punks who might know John Messias, you've heard me talk about him on Knuckle Up. He used to sing for his band Circle One. It was probably one of the craziest uh, hardcore guys I knew. Being that, that when the cops in LA under Daryl Gates would roll up to a, a punk show at the Olympic in LA or something, you know, generally they were there. It was like Philly in the 60s. Cops didn't give a shit. There were no cell phones. They were just cracking heads left and right. And John's, a friend of John's was getting arrested by the cops. We we're kind of collecting there impotently. Like, you know, hey, wouldn't you let him go? He didn't do anything. And John kind of strides up to the cop and goes, is there a problem, officer? And the cop says, I told you to get. And before he could finish his sentence, John knocked, John knocked him out. Yeah, it's a one-punch knockout. Big Pacific Islander, maybe half black, half Pacific Islander guy. And he had this thing called the plaid party. All these guys that they wore uh, pegged, uh, uh, pe pegged plaid bondage pants. Knocked this fucking cop out and all the cops start chasing. He starts running down the alleys of, of L.A., hopping up on some wall between houses, running down the cinder block wall and disappears into the night. He's got a fake mohawk, puts a fake mohawk on, comes back. The plaid pants would be a giveaway, but they're like 30. He's rolling 30 or 40 guys deep. People think of L.A. punk rock. They didn't think, oh, it's not like British punk rock. Fucking A. They were the lads. So the L.A. death squad. There were some serious fucking gangs in L.A. during the hardcore period. And the plaid party, whatever. John Besides from East L.A. Guy was tough. Anthony Smith reminds me of that guy. So if, if he were smart, he would say... You know what? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be an executive level gatekeeper for Johnny Boney Joni at such time as I 
gatekeep enough cats. Right now, I'm looking at him as, as executive level gatekeepers. You could fight those guys against each other, ruining the like, okay, you got Johnny Walker Red and you got Santos, Thiago Santos on the on deck circle. Those guys should face those guys. Instead, I think what they want to do is keep Johnny Boni Joni busy. So they're going to keep flowing guys to him. We all know it's eventual that Johnny Boni Joni will lose a fight. Nobody's not. Everybody has. That he'll lose a fight legitimately. We all want to be there kind of when it happens. But until then, you know, do you keep him, you keep him busy enough with guys who could almost do that? You got, first of all, first order of the day with that cat is to keep him busy. So forget about everything else I'm saying. You got to keep him busy. Secondly, you got to keep those executive gatekeepers busy to keep light heavyweight. Part of keeping things busy for Johnny Boni Joni is keeping cats who were excited about fight Johnny Boni Joni fighting. If Santos goes against uh, uh, Gustafson and beats Gustafson, that sets up a compelling matchup. If Johnny Walker Red goes against Santos and beats Santos and then beats Gustafson, sets up a matchup. I, I believe they're going to split the difference and probably have one of those guys. Go with Johnny Boni Joni before the end of the year. He said he wants to fight three times this year. He should fight three times this year. He went for a bunch, two year, over two years without making any money. I'm sure he needs the money, likes it, and realizes the key to keeping himself happy is to fight. But this is a fight in which loser and winner both came out winners. I don't feel, I'm, I'm not like, uh, let's just call him Will. <laughs> Will is like Drax the Destroyer. He's like, I hope Johnny Boni Joni dies, 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 dies. Well, I can't say, I can't say, I can't cite out there. It's funny, but I can't cite out there. I'm still a fan, and I've interviewed, him. so it's not like it's not like once removed. It's like a direct kind of thing. So, uh, so you know, Anthony Smith, Johnny Boni Joni, they, even though Anthony Smith clearly lost, uh, he could have, he could have done. You, you want to ask? What what would what would Chris Weidman have done had he been in Anthony Smith's position of being able to throw the fight because of an illegal knee? And he goes, I can't go on. DQ'd, you win. That he was a man. Didn't take it, didn't take that way out like that. Because you know Weidman would have. But that's speculation. So they both come out winners. One loss, both won. You know, uh, next up uh, is going down the card, of course is Tyron Woodley and Kamaru Usman. Now, people have talked about where Woodley had gone to. What people forget is Woodley's history as a gick, a guy I can't trust. Early on in his career, he lost fights that he should have won and won fights I didn't really expect him to do. Eventually, the, 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 the what do you call that thing? The seesaw, the seesaw tumbled one place and he actually started winning a succession of fights in a way that made you think like fucking the guy, like I, nobody expected him to be as dominant over Till. He was just angry about it, you know, um, took it from Lawler, but he hasn't really had it that long, right? The belt, I mean. So I have to, somebody said, well, if we don't hear by Wednesday that there was a bona fide injury, and so far we haven't heard it, then we have to look someplace else for, 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 for the answers to the questions about the slackness of his performance. You can see when they do in from the weigh-in to the face down to right at the beginning of the fight, there was a size differential that we weren't you can't tell from the posters. Usman's big. He's a big welter. But the stuff that he was saying in the pre-fight run-up that Woodley was saying, you got a not a not a lot of answers to me. Now I look at it in a completely different light. He was doing in my mind what psychologists call uh, projecting. And pretty, in, in other words, he was giving an exterior voice to internal concerns. How are you going to answer my wrestling? You can't. He knew that wasn't true. He knew that wasn't true because his friend Askren trained with, with, with Usman. You know who hasn't trained with Usman? Me. I was not part of an elite wrestling program any of the time I wrestled. So he had concerns recast those concerns as he recast those concerns as concerns that he hoped that he could put a fucking uh could put a could put a a, a a b in Usman's head about maybe also having those concerns 
Because you don't have anything for me in the stand-up. That's not what we've seen when we've seen Uzma. Keep in mind, I did pick Woodley to win. Because I saw I saw Uzma get discombobulated with the Marty from Nebraska thing. And I didn't know if he'd be able to hold his head together. And based on his face, as I saw going up, the scuffle in the hallway where Askren is just kind of mocking him, didn't think it. So you got nothing for me on the ground. You got nothing for me standing up. What, how are you going to beat me? The problem with that is, and this is the, in general the problem with trash talk, before I've competed, like, you know, usually I'm like, there's a you know, my famous time where I was down Long Beach at the house, and I get on the mat, and I was just so excited to be there. I was just filled with the joy because it's tension all until you step on the mat, and you step on the mat, and it dissipates. And then you're just fucking, because that's what you're familiar with. You're just happy to be there. And I went even before the match, and I hugged a ref, and I hugged the guy I was about to compete against. And they're kind of looking at each other like, what the fuck? I was just, I was just happy, man. I was just happy to be there. Super happy to be there. So Usman, sorry, so Usman, and, and uh, they, I, I think that all that stuff, in other, in other words, when I'm ha- one, I'm happy to be there, and two, when I when I when I was doing MMA, uh, Fight Club SF, smokers, MMA smokers, I would get, do the same thing. I'm not mean mugging the guy from across the. We had a ring from across the ring, shit. I'm not. I'm just smiles. One because I'm really excited to be there, and two, I don't need to give this guy fuel at all. If the guy is looking for an emotional basis, some emotional content to get him over the wall of me, I'm not giving it to him. Fuck no. So in his effort to project, Woodley had created a causes belli, a cause for war. So that the, that the refrain for Usman becomes like, oh, it's not about fight skills. Like, you think you could... You think you're better than me? You think because I'm from fucking Africa that I'm fucking shit, that I'm just some mutt? And all of a sudden, you get, like, I go against the guy. I went against the guy today, a purple belt. And he's like, I, I know you're tight, Eugene. I've been bullied by guys like you, Michael. Hey, man, we're like the same guy. I always hated bullies. Always hated them. Always stuck up for the little person. You know, always a bit. Anybody want to fight? Who wants to fight? I go, I'll fight you. That was me. But this guy had completely removed me from the equation and was dealing with the demons of his past. I think that's what Usman was doing. He came in. He was like, whatever. I don't know that I'm going to get this close before. And let we, this discussion is, of course, not complete with that ass, without talking about that asshole, Colby Crappington. Why, every time I see this guy, why, and he gets into one of these, YouTube world star hip hop scuffles. Does he always seem fucking frightened, like he's about to run, and or call the cops? Like Robert De Niro said in Taxi Driver when he was talking about sport, he's the worst scum sucking. Somebody should come along and do something to that guy. He, you know, what he said about you. He called you a little piece of chicken. He said, you, you, you know, you, you, know, I'm, I'm square. You're square, man. At least I'm not screwing fucking with killers and junkies. Sorry, I had a, a, a taxi driver interlude. But that's how Crappington always comes across. And he's this. He, and he, ah, I don't even know if I want to mention it. Uh, do I even want to mention what happened when he suddenly runs up to uh, the bald one? Get the video. Run up to the bald one. And look how quickly that woman... Uh, that woman, uh, whoever she was, escaped from the frame. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but at this point now, he'll get the fight that he wants because they're going to cut this fucker, but they want to see his ass beaten beforehand. Even the jungle wants him dead. We all have been hoping that he'll do something so we don't have to listen or see him again. You know, if you want the apocryphal books of the Bible, you should read those. They're actually pretty phenomenal. 
in my mind, nothing should make them apocryphal. They are as good as the other books of the Bible. And at one point, they're talking about Jesus being 12 or 15 years old. He's not really fully in command of his awesome power yet. And he's walking somewhere, minding his own business. And one of his playmates, some kid, runs into him top speed and knocks him down. And Jesus stands up. He's pretty fucking annoyed. He goes, you know what? Dry up and blow away. And they got gone. They don't put that in the Bible. They don't put that in the Bible. But that's what's going to happen to Colby Crappington. His crimes have been legion. And there is not, if there's a fan, I know some of you are fans, but those of you who are Colby Crappington fans are not fans of the man. You're fans of him wearing that little red hat that he's wearing. Admit it. You know, it, without that, you'd be right with the rest of us, which means you should be with the rest of us because this guy is a fucking carbuncle. You know, those things, they scrape off the under underbellies of ships. That's what he is. But in any case, so uh, Woodley, don't know what happened to Woodley. Don't know what happened. The reality of it is that uh, the bald one finally got what he wants. He got he he got what he feels is fundamentally a non-compliant, boring Woodley out of the mix. But don't keep in mind, Woodley hasn't been a dominating long-term champion. He hasn't had the belt that long. He got it from Lawler in recent memory. He's defended it how many times? This belt is in a churn. Sadly, well, not sadly, I think strongly in the favor is that he uh, Usman beat him with such a dominating fashion. The guys who come to Usman, apparently Colby Crapperton next, has got to deal with that in his head. Because I know Colby Crapperton didn't imagine that he would get beyond Woodley himself. Yeah. So there are a lot of good fights when you when you when you look at at, at who Usman could be matched up with. I can't think of it, it, what is that old disco song? Everywhere, everywhere I turn, I learn. I don't see any him going any other way, any other way that's not not successful for him. And I don't even mean that. He, again, he has, does not have to win. Woodley lost in a respectable fucking fashion, not a fashion that le- leads us to believe that we need to see him in a rematch with Usman right away. But he he held his water. He, he came to, he was strangely passive. He could have been outclassed. He's not offered an explanation that makes sense to me yet. But I remember him long enough to know this is not out of keeping. I, it would have helped me to hear him say something about, yeah, maybe it's, uh, you know, an injury. Didn't, 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 didn't. And Usman completely won me over, though there was a lot of vitriol in the fight going up. He, the thing with his daughter in the end and his family. Oh, God, it was fucking heartwarming. And you got a glimpse of the real Usman. It doesn't have to be. And, uh, you know, and, and I also and I also have a great, great respect for uh, people who, especially black folks, who don't feel compelled to, like, post the 1960s, there was this whole idea to keep it real meant that you spoke um, – English, American English with the Southern dialect, even if you weren't from the fucking South. Because anything else seemed like you were putting on airs. Uh, he's actually Nigerian, but he's come over here and he speaks English, you know. He has, has no time spent south of the Mason-Dixon line. I mean, you, you hear the way I'm speaking. Right? Question I heard my whole life growing up in Brooklyn is, where are you from? You mean I'm from, from Brooklyn. We said, where are you from? You sound so strange. So where I'm not from is South Carolina or Alabama. I'm not a Bama. I can do the accent, but, you know, when I'm talking to my family, my family's talking to me, we don't. I always talk about code switching. I'm me. So I think Usman will make a fine chap. I'm looking forward to seeing his run. I think he, he uh, Woodley lost to a better man that night. Don't know if a better man permanently. I think he needs to go back to the woodshed, work on some shit. I still think at this point he's a high quality executive level gatekeeper. I still think he should be in the you know his high number in the Phantom Toll booth. Put me in, coach. Fine, get your ass off that wooden bench, get in there, get back on the horse. The bald one at this point now, whatever animosity the bald one had, 
just seeing you get beat the way you got beat was probably enough. You know, not going to let you go to fight Bellator. You're, you're, you're home. It was a tough fight, but you did it well. You lost. You won in the way that you lost. Another one. However, let's go down the list. And I'm going to have a little disagreement here, I'm sure. Because next up, well, I'm sorry, Tisha Torres and Viley Zhang. Uh, I think I did not care, chose not to care about this fight in the, in the run-up. I enjoyed the fight, but I knew, I think what I said when I declined to be interested in it was that Tisha Torres was a gift. She hadn't really been a gifter. The, the temptation was to pick her over the 18 and 0, 0 uh, uh, Chinese uh, MMA fighter. But uh, I, I didn't care, but I wouldn't have picked Tisha because she's let me down before. But uh, Viley uh, Zhang, who is 18 and 0 now, or 19 and 0, undefeated, um, masterful performance. But she's passing drug tests, bro. Why can't I ask? I'm just asking. Just asking about her drug test. Has she passed them? I don't know. It's kind of curious. Curiosity. So let's skip that. Um, Cody Garbrandt. Well, hold on. I, I, I want to go. I'm, let's just go to where I want to go because I'm looking at the time here. Why is this not on my list? Oh, I, uh, I'm sorry. I glanced over it. Robbie Lawler versus uh, Ben Askren. Nah, bro. This is what this is what discombobulated me. This is what had me. I just couldn't. I, you know, Midtow was riding. I just couldn't. Man, I, I just couldn't. Man, I just couldn't concentrate. I was angry. I said I haven't been this angry about a decision. And at this point now, at this point now, you know, the Hitler had this under had this. Uh, was it Reinhard Heydrich? Was some famous Nazi? Had this thing where he was talking about Jews, and he said, "You know, he said under every rock." And so I got this really vivid image of them, you know, that the way the Nazi um, linguistics always very curious. So then it was very easy to see that, you know, if you were a kid and you grew up in the woods and you picked up rocks, there were always creepy crawly things in the rocks. Identify like I had a guy talk about a woman I used to mess around with. And he said, oh, you know, you're actually Eskimo brothers with Mike Swick. I go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I said, what did Swick say about her? He said, yeah, she smelled like like uh, uh, feet and wet cigarettes. And that was so fucking evocative, I couldn't get it out of my head. Could not get it out of my head. So, it, 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 so you know, um, I'm... I'm I'm at beyond beside myself. The, the, the spectrum kid in me, I'm just beside myself. This was not right. This was not right. And I have to say, um, all roads in this point to Herb Dean. Herb Dean is a known associate. Even prior to Friend of Knuckle Up, I think I did a piece on gra for a grappling magazine on Herb Dean. Known him for a long time. Back when he was training with the, the, the Jeremy, the Scorpion, the guy who went to prison for raping some woman. The blonde kid who was on one of the earlier uh, Ultimate Fighter TV shows. I know he's jiu-jitsu. I know I've talked to him. He's met my kids, you know. I, uh, Herb Dean, you know, there's a whole thing with Cat Allen Drow saying, oh, he's so sexy and sophisticated. And it's become a joke. But dude has been on the wrong side of decisions enough times lately so that when I see, I feel, I'm starting to feel about him like I'm feeling about Cecil Peoples. He's does a good, has a history of having done a great job, but he's missing stuff. And everybody needs a break every now and then. Everybody. And you could tell, you could tell he knew he was fucking wrong at the end and couldn't think of how to reel it back. He went, I, did he go, I don't even remember if he went to the replay on this, but I think he may have even gone, no, he went to the replay on the other fight, on the John Jones fight. And it killed me that he was calling a John Jones fight. But you know what you don't see? And at this point now, it's a moot point to even bring this up. The only reason I'm not raging and frothing from the mouth now is because moments before I started this show, the Baldwin came out and said, yeah, no, that's a rematch. That was a terrible fight. I don't know what the fuck was going on with Herb Dean. That was terrible. We're going to have a rematch. And, and Askren is like, I'll pass. <laughs> oh, really? I guess you forgot where you were. There's no passing. You struggle for the contract. You got four fights in the contract. You fight who we say, oh, oh, okay, I got, I got. You don't want to fight Lawler again. 
How about you fight Usman again? There are no easy fights for you, bro. Welcome to the UFC. All this talk, and you got fucked up. You tried to come in with your old, your, your old standby, your old wrestling. You got ragdolled, grand amplitude, dumped, spiked on your head, punched in the face, and nobody, 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 nobody. I've been following this sport since UFC one. Prior to that, I was doing uh, uh, combat wrestling with the, with the I'm not gonna mention his name because he tried to sue me. The guys I used to train with, Paul, the polar bear, Varlins, Brian, the Fury, Johnson, and then one of the first cut the UFC four, five, six, whatever. I have never seen anybody submitted or choked into unconsciousness with that schoolyard bulldog choke shit ever. Not only have I never seen it, professional MMA fighters who I've talked to have never seen it. I don't know of anybody who's had it done to them or seen it done to someone else. The guy is leaning back like this. He's got the choke on. Lawler's head is up. And there's all this space here. The bicep is against the neck. Dude is breathing. Some one of you, right before I started this show, Zap rooted it as well. Uh, as Steph told me about it and slowed it down. And you can see he, he moved his hand down. And at first I thought Lawler's in on the work. But Lawler says, nah, I love Lawler. Friend to knuckle up, love him. He said, no, I gave him a thumbs up to let him know I was all right. I couldn't hear him because I, I had his arm here and his body here. I couldn't hear through the, my ears were muffled. But So somebody slowed it down and they and steps it, got the thumb up. Because certainly if a guy is unconscious, as soon as you stop the fight, he doesn't go, what the fuck? He goes, oh, hey. There was none of that. Herb Dean knew the second that he stood up that he had made a mistake. But there's no mechanism in place to pull that shit back. None. Okay, it is what it is. Mistakes happen. Character is revealed in how you deal with the fuck-up. Askren was like, ah, well, I guess a, a bro, this is not Asia. With some crooked kind of crazy shit is happening questionable calls this was a questionable call but at this point the bald one and i don't think he's doing it out of love for purity of the sport i think he's doing a love of purity of revenge you know what the best revenge is revenge the dish best served with revenge i think he hates his kid and hates is a strong word But I think all of us, I was enjoying his pre-fight run-up. Askren's pretty funny. This shit's pretty clever. I was amused. But where you were before is not where you are now. If this was going to be legitimate, they would have stopped that fight after the 15th unanswered blow to, uh, uh, to, to Askren. You stop slow. You start to slow down because you're like, well, I don't want to burn out. They're not going to stop it because this is their boy. So the bald one did completely the right thing by saying immediate rematch. And Askren is out of his fucking mind if he thinks I can, I can, I pass. <laughs> no, bro. If you want any, you won that fight, but you lost by winning because we heard the booze. Those of us who weren't actively booing, we heard the boos in Vegas. I know in the production truck, they turned down the audio on that. We heard it regardless. Carlos Newton versus Pat Miletic. What about that? Uh, hold on, let me go. I can see what you're talking about. So um, that's like Matt, like uh, uh, who's the cat? Uh, uh, Mel Gibson and Road Warrior. You want to get out of here? You come through me. If Askren wants to put himself back in the in, in, in the play for 
people caring a shit about what he thinks or feels or liking him or having a fan base takes that fucking rematch or he takes a tougher rematch. But they're no easy fights for you, fucking Benny. They're no easy fights for you at all. You're fighting somebody in the top five and you're fighting somebody who's going to murk you. And I, God love you. If, if Mazagati, no, Mirgliata, if Mirgliata is your ref for the next one and you get in that same position, he's probably going to be, Lawler's going to beat your face off your fucking body. Lawler's as tough as they fucking come. He fought with his, his lip torn in half. Now, I'm whining because I got, got a bite on my tongue and abrasions in my mouth that hurt like fuck. It's not but my lip. I would have quit. A big chunk out of my lip like, like Lawler had that past fight. I'd have quit the fight. I'd have quit the game. A new job. Fuck this. I could have a desk job and have, leave with my lips intact. So, Lawler, you got one way out, bro. Take that fight. Because if you're going to take this shit as a win, you know who doesn't talk about his win? You know who doesn't? Cat Matt, uh, uh, Matt, Matt Hamill. He doesn't talk about having beat John Jones since he was unconscious when he won that fight through DQ. Which Anthony Smith could have done, didn't. Man. So, a couple of things. Askren opened a big door into what, where he was weak. He was weak in ways that we've always known he was weak. Those of us who've been paying attention. My mother, strangely enough, turned me on to ask her. She goes, Gene, are you watching this? Yeah, my what? She was watching something. And she saw one of the Bjorn Borg-led Bellators where he was fighting. I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of dull. but yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I see these guys BJJ for life, but all the belts are hold, held by wrestlers. Oh, uh, yeah. Not you. Not you, bro. Everybody but you, bro. So he's got one way out. He's in a fucking... He won that fight, but based on what he's been saying, he's on his way to losing it. What? The love of the people. What? The love of the people. Man up. God loved you that day. There was a, a series of fuck-ups that led you having your hand raised. You didn't win that fight. Nobody believes you won that fight. You yourself don't even believe you won that fight. Don't make us buy or believe something that is not true. So, um, sorry. That if had not been for the bald one's tweet about rematch, rematch, and the jungle speaking, uh, uh, other fighters weighing in. If had without that, I'd have still been beside myself and not able to, to even be coherent about this. I was so upset. Cody Garbrandt, Pedro Munoz. Uh, like I said on on the Care Don't Care preview, you know you could. You know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me, fool me three times. Welcome to the koi. To the koi, yes. Koi, a new thing, a new place to be. Huh? Not the Lost Battalion, because I haven't heard shit from Cody that indicates that he has any understanding of where he is at all. But he's not denying where he is. The koi. Is the COI is the couch of insignificance. If you see Animal House, they keep leading the fat Jewish guy and the guy with the turban and the geek all back to the same couch. You know, this really waspy fraternity, you know, Aryan youth. Oh, so great you come. We're really looking forward to that. Hey, have a seat here. I'll get you a drink. And they keep taking them back to the couch of insignificance. Now, typically, guys that are there are guys that you'd expect to be there, like, CM Punk or uh, Mickey Gall or who got fucking pasted by Sanchez like I knew he would. Like, guys, you wonder, why are they there? What, obviously, I mean, Bisping was one of those guys at first. You know, regional regional circuit, tough guy, but nothing super significant. But he showed himself, proved himself out. But Gall's been bumping around there, and he's like, actually believed the press that he was somebody. Why Diego Sanchez realized I'm nobody. He's on the couch with some other boozed up guys like CM Punk. Why are those guys there? I don't know, you know. It's like a buddy of mine was trying to explain to me why a girl who I was in love with is 
getting married to somebody else. He's like, hey, man, she said she's uh, she's only doing it for the money. I was like, no, no, not my not my angel angel baby, not my my queen of. Uh. So she does marry this guy, and she gets divorced from the guy. And one of the first things she says to me after she got divorced was, "And I didn't even get any money." <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> I guess he was right. So uh, Cody Garbrandt. Don't know, bro, but you're on the couch. Well, Eugene, what's what's the difference between the couch and the Phantom Tollbooth? Phantom Tollbooth means you got a number. The couch of insignificance means that they can't even figure out what your number is. You're about to get a number. There'll probably be a pretty high one, but you're not even there in the waiting room. You're on a couch of insignificance. It's usually for the fakes, like uh, uh, Sage Northbutt. What? It's a Northbutt. What? Northbutt! Nikki Doll, CM Punk. There's not a lot of people on that couch who have got the unholy push and have failed to rise to the occasion. All right, uh, Johnny Walker Red, uh, sorry, Jeremy Stevens and Cody Garbrandt are like the same guy. One of those guys was making the claim that he was suicidal after his loss. Both of them lost. And I like the back chatter with him and Zabit. Zabit is kind of a weird guy. You know if he came up to you, both him and Askren, if you were in a bar and they came up to you and said, Oh, yeah, man, I'm a cage fighter, bro. You'd be in your head like, what the fuck, yeah, the fuck you are, cage fighter, my ass. Good fights. I was glad. I don't know what those guys, they have talked themselves into a place and probably a salary that's unsustainable based on, based on their ability to win or to convert or to, or to bring some cachet to it or a fan base or anything. They haven't said anything. So I, at this point now, I don't know how dead they are. And I don't know if it's Phantom Tollbooth or the couch. It's hard for guys who got close to the belt or sniffed the belt to realize that they're no longer in play. Uh, Johnny Walker uh, read, I, and it was just something commentator somebody was tweeting me that they call him johnny walker blue that's some weird that's some honcho magazine shit johnny walker it's because it's little boy blue nambla style why wouldn't you johnny walker red it's the, i go to any bartender i say johnny walker red everybody gets it johnny walker blue what are you thinking who did that it was some commentator it wasn't joe rogaine it was uh maybe was it onyx somebody i, I was watching the brazilian feed with the gay with the Brazilian uh, 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 Elton John. I didn't care about Stamen versus Perez. I did pick Sanchez over Gaul. Uh, Shamazama Ding Dong and Bird didn't care. Mazzani and Chiesa didn't care. Pollyanna Viana and Hannah Cyphers didn't care. So the fight's done. But I'm glad that we rescued, we rescued victory from the jaws of defeat by like minutes before the show started doing the right thing because I had conspiracy all over this thing. It's like, it's a work. The question, only question for me was the guy who I love, Lawler, whether he was in on it or not, and he, his post-fight presser revealed to me that he wasn't, and the Baldwin also seeing what side the fucking, no, no, these guys got to fight again. That was a bullshit. And I don't think they'll fight again with Herb. Herb nobody's out to help Herb, Herb, Herb Dean, uh, 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 what is the word I'm looking for? Redeem himself. Cares about the fuck about that. So, uh, let's let, let's do a breakdown. Askren lost through winning. He's got to do. He's got to do as much backpedaling as as, as Lawler. Lawler's golden. Put the guy on his head. Fifteen unanswered blows. So Lawler lost, but he won. Askren won, but he lost. Anthony Smith lost, but he won. John Jones won, but he won. It's like Pascal's wager. Clearly, the best thing is not to, not to win and then lose. You want your wins to be win-wins, not win-losses. All right, so we're going to go down the list. Uh, well, we already have. Tyron Woodley and Kamar Usman. Tyron lost, but he didn't lose. 
He didn't win because you don't feel better about Tyron at the end of it. But you don't feel less like you like him less. However, you do like Kamaru. So Kamaru won and he won. Viley Zhang, she won and she won. I've got serious questions about the drug testing. See if she makes it. I don't give a shit. Sorry. That's what I'm saying. Garbrandt, he lost and he lost. Munoz won and he won. It's post because, of course, the Brazilian TV had him. Guy was really affable. I don't know what the hell he was saying, but Sorrell seemed to be happy. Jeremy Stevens and Zabit. Jeremy Stevens lost and he lost. Talking about suicide, while maybe it's good for hip hop artists, doesn't make you sexy in the fight game. Unless maybe you're a woman and then it doesn't even really work. Zabit didn't say much of anything. This is a Dagestani thing, but he won. And of course, he's still kind of a curiosity. He needs to go against somebody who's not going to be discombobulated by the strangeness. Walker won and he won. Talking about having him fight Johnny Boy join now is premature. You got executive level gatekeepers, have him in there. Or if Johnny Boy Journey wants him, feed him to Johnny Boy Journey. But I, I'm I'm looking at longevity and I want to see I want to see the guy for a bit. Diego Sanchez, well, he won, and he won. Mickey Gall lost, and he lost. Because he didn't have much cachet to begin with, in my mind, and he lost. Now he has even less. So that's the breakdown. That's all. There's no jiu-jitsu breakdown this week because Marty, Mar, uh, Marty G is off, you know, doing what guys who support Trump do. He's counting money somewhere, I guess, somewhere. Or wearing his red hat and seeing how handsome he looks in the mirror with the hat. But in any case, we did no jiu We would have worked on a bulldog choke, and maybe we'll work on that uh, next weekend if, uh, if, unless Askren says something that kind of redeems himself. Otherwise, he's just a comedian. Funny, funny joke guy. Got you. Funny, funny joke guy. Got you. What, fighter? No, nah, you're not that. Like Conor McNuggets at this point. Funny, funny joke guy. Fighter? Unless you're up against an anus, I don't know what you're fighting lately. Oh, did I say it? Yes, fuck. So anyway, this is V55. The Eugene S. Robinson Showstopper. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. This has been Losing by Winning, Winning by Losing. And once again, go to patreon.com slash the stomper. Give. If you can afford to do so, if you can't eat the sandwich, it's better than giving. But if you got the sandwich already, then give. At Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, Mr. Sleep 3 on Instagram, Tuesday night at 7.20. We will see you on If I Did It. We talk about MMA kerfuffles inside the world of MMA and immediately followed by If the Shoes Fit, which are kerfuffles outside of the world of MMA. Got a lot of entries in the Lost Battalion. That's usually where I break the Lost Battalion entries on the, on those shows. Steph has already recorded. Care don't care for you for next weekend. I can already tell you it's on a 14-fight card, and I have three cares. So that means I won't be watching that live. Or maybe I have four cares. But I only did one because I felt bad for the fighters. Nico Price and Tim Means. Otherwise, the show is done. Thanks for listening. I'm your host. We'll see you soon. Look what you made me do!